My friends, this is an era of great heroes and dangerous villains. The fate of the world is within our hands. Whether you are part of the Avengers or the Justice League, or just doing whatever you can to help those around you, I ask you to join our quest and become one with the voices from Krypton. Oh, and while you're here, check out the podcast. It's good. Really. I'm Ed Gross, and this is Voices from Krypton, the podcast where we speak superhero. And we're also pretty fluent in sci-fi and action. Now that Spider-Man No Way Home has made its way to digital, it's safe for us to present our conversation with movie critic Scott Mance, who, besides his on-camera reviews and hosting of film-related events and panels, serves as host of the Enterprise Incidents podcast, which takes deep dives into every episode of the original Star Trek. Having been friends with Scott for a number of years now, I'm well aware of our shared fanaticism for Trek and all things related to the Beatles. But his passion for Spider-Man, which rivals my own for the Man of Steel, was a complete surprise. What follows are a couple of fanboys talking Spidey. And yes, there are spoilers. Spider-Man, how blown away were you by this movie? I, I, first of all, just leading up to how blown away I was by Spider-Man, I got to say that Spider-Man, for me, uh, I don't know if you know this, Ed, that for me, Spider-Man is like, Star Trek and the Beatles. I did not it's, know that. It is Spider-Man is up there. That's like Superman um, for me. Spider-Man is for you. There absolutely. You yeah. I, I just have like all my life. I have loved Spider-Man, you know, starting with the cartoons, you know, cause we all know the theme song and that, and you know, uh, all the music in those cartoons were great. But ever since I was walking home from school one day and I picked up amazing Spider-Man number 238, which was the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. You know, that started me down my comic book collecting. And ever since the, the first Toby movie opened on May, I think it was May 3rd, 2002, uh, all of these movies, all of these movies, I mean, I obviously I love some more than others, oh, yeah. but, yeah. you know, even Spider-Man 3, Ed, I, I love Spider-Man 3, you know, wow. uh, which is, I know I'm in the minority on that one. Um, There's but, some good things. Yes. I mean, listen, uh, and by the way, we we could, we could talk spoilers here, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. So, so, you know, the Toby movies came and went and then the Andrew Garfield movies, which were, were my two least favorite Spider-Man films because the first amazing Spider-Man was a pointless uh, retelling of the origin story. It just wasn't different enough. And then amazing Spider-Man two was like, had the same problem as Spider-Man three. It was just too much going on, too many villains. Um, They just didn't learn their lesson, but still I I did like it. And I liked Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. Um, And it was so great when they brought Spidey into the MCU with Tom Holland and uh, homecoming and Iron Man and, you know, uh, uh, Peter Parker being the protege to Tony Stark and the two of those guys, Tom Holland and Downey had amazing chemistry but I was not prepared for the, the continual emotional payoffs provided by No Way Home. The mm-hmm. last hour of this movie is the best hour of any Spider-Man film. You know, the moment that Ned opens the portal and, and you see the spider, is that all Spider-Man? Wait, is that our Spider-Man? And he comes through and he takes off the mask and it's Andrew Garfield. 
And everybody in the theater just applauded like crazy. I've seen it twice in theaters now. And, and then when he opens the portal again, and, and I got to tell you, Ed, when, when Toby McGuire walked through that portal, I was overcome with emotion. Really? I mean, I thought it was yes. amazing. Don't get me wrong. No pun intended. Yeah. But, but I was like, like, oh, Toby, <laughs> you know, first of all, Toby McGuire has always been very picky with his film roles. You know, he's never been like the kind of actor who makes like two or three movies a year. Oh, no, not at all. Like, like if he makes one a year, that's a lot. But in recent years, he hasn't acted on camera very much. And, and when he walked through, I was reminded of what I love about those three Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire movies. I was, I realized how much I, I got to say that Toby is my favorite Spider-Man, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I just thought he was perfectly cast as Peter Parker. He's perfect. And he looked great, you know, and, and what I, what I really loved that the the choices that John Watts who directed all three of these MCU Spideys. Right. So Andrew Garfield and, and Tobey Maguire, especially Toby's, Peter Parker is much older, but he's not bitter. He's not like, like in, in into the spider verse, you know, he was like, you know, fat with a gut hanging out of a spider. Right. Seat. right. Absolutely. You know, he was still a good guy. He was still a positive person. You know, he was still a sweet, sweet guy. You could tell that Toby's Peter was older. You could tell that he's wiser. You tell that he's a little weary in some of the uh, ways that life has impacted him. But ultimately, he was still a very positive person. You know, sweet. He was a sweet guy. Uh, I love the moment when when he said, "Hey, are you are you going to go? You know, out in that that uh, uh, that, pastor uh, outfit? Yeah, yeah, that pastor (laughs) outfit." And he pulls down his t-shirt to reveal that he's wearing a Spidey costume under it. And the look on his face, like, like, like was a smile, you know, like you didn't see the three Peter Parkers arguing with each other. You saw them working together. Like, like, you know, the, the first Avengers movie, you had all these pointless fights because they were, there were so many egos in the room and, and, and you didn't have that with Peter Parker in each, in each multiverse, in each universe, Peter Parker is a good guy. And these three Peters all got together and they were working together. They weren't arguing. They weren't fighting over who was the more dominant Peter Parker. The, from the last hour of that film, all three Peters were equals. And here's the other thing that I really loved about this movie. So these three Peter Parkers are teaming up not to defeat the villains. No, they are teaming exactly. up to help them they are teaming up to help them and i think this is really crucial i don't know if this is deliberate given these times that we are living in but they are teaming up to help them by curing them curing them and i just went wow a cure boy is that what we need right now 
And No Way Home was an emotional cure for so many people, uh, you know, these last, you know, almost two years now, which is nuts, that this movie hit on so many levels. And like, it was so great to see Spider-Man. It was so great to see all the Spider-Man together, working together. And like, I just, I kept getting hit with emotional moments. You know, they each had their moment to shine. You know, that, that Andrews Peter Parker lost his Gwen, but he saved, he saved Tom MJ, Holland's yeah. MJ in yeah. the same way, by the way, that in uh, uh, the what if issue, what if Spider-Man saved Gwen Stacy? Uh, he Spider-Man saved Mary Jane or, you know, MJ. She's not Mary Jane. That's right. Tom Holland uh, by, by, by jumping down and catching her instead of catching her with his web. And basically, you know, that's how Mary Jane, uh, you know, Gwen Stacy broke her neck was the shock from the fall. But there were so many great moments, like, like uh, when they're trying to fight, you know, uh, fight the villains and, and Toby and Andrew were like, we, we don't know how to be a, be a team where we're, we're used to fighting alone. And then Tom Holland says, yeah, but I was in the Avengers. I know how it is to be a team. And Toby goes, the Avengers. That's great. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) That was wonderful. It was wonderful. But the fact that there are no other heroes in their world, that's so interesting. Right. But you know what? Here's the thing, Ed. I was, first of all, I, I, even though I think that the last hour of, of, of no way home is the best hour of, of Spider-Man. I still think that Spider-Man two from 2004 mm-hmm. is still the best complete Spider-Man movie because it's just Spider-Man is one villain. There's not too much going on. It's a real existential film, which is something that Toby's character says in this movie that he was yeah. having an existential, existential crisis, crisis. Yep. because he, he wasn't able to shoot his webs and he kind of gave up being Spider-Man for a while. But Spider-Man 2 was a coming of age movie about Peter Parker more than it was really about Spider-Man. Like, what does it mean to be a hero? Who am I if I don't have my powers? Am I still a hero? And he is because right. he still went into that burning building without his powers to save the kid. But you know, there were there were there were mo- so many moments that were callbacks to their other films, and you know, hearing hearing Andrew and and Toby talk about Uncle Ben. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when Tom Holland lost his Aunt May, which was shocking. I did not expect that. Okay. Uh, it was, and I'd also love like the little in joke that Toby was saying about his back. Oh my God, that was great for when he fell in Spider-Man 2 and well my back. Well, my back. <laughs> he, well, well, not only not only was that was that a nod to that moment in Spider-Man 2 where he fell and hurt his back, but that was also an in-joke to the rumors yeah. that when they were getting ready to make Spider-Man 2, Toby McGuire suddenly had quote unquote back problems because he was holding out for more money. Right. Now, the rumor that I don't think anyone's talked about on the record was that Sony said, oh, okay, you're going to play that game. We'll just get a new Spider-Man. And there were talks that Jake Gyllenhaal was going to take over the role, which is ironic because he wound up playing Mysterio in Far From Home. 
but suddenly Toby's back problems went away and he was yeah. in Spider-Man two and everything was fine. So, so there was a nod to that as well. Absolutely. And the one thing where I felt like they missed the boat on this movie, Ed, is this. Mm-hmm. So after, you know, towards the end of the film, when Tom Holland swings off and says goodbye to Andrew and Toby. Right. So this is after Toby's Peter gets stabbed. Yeah. Right. So, but, you know, he gets up and they're both standing there, Andrew and Toby, and Andrew has his arm around Toby. Right. Yeah. And Tom Holland swings off and Andrew says to Toby, he says, you're in a lot of pain, aren't you? And Toby goes, yeah, yeah, it really hurts. What I thought he should have said was this. When, to- when Tom Holland's Spider-Man swings off and Andrew was standing there with his arm around Toby, Toby should have looked at Tom Holland as he was swinging off and nodded his head and said, go get him, Tiger. <laughs> that would have been great. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That would have been because, you know, I literally just watched <clears throat> Spider-Man 2 again last night. Right. And the end of that film, when Mary Jane shows up at Peter's place and says, you know, you've been saving me all this time. I'm here to save you. And they hear the sirens. Yeah. And she looks at him and he looks back at her and she says, go get him, Tiger. Uh, that would have been such a great bookend to yeah. that character for Toby's Peter Parker to look at Tom Holland's Spider-Man as he's swinging off saying, go get him tiger. Yep. That would have been great. That absolutely would have been great. Um, you know, you, you brought up, you brought up uh, before Toby's uh, you know, still having that optimistic view of life, basically. I think I love the contrast though, between he and Andrew because Andrew stopped pulling his punches let yep. the bitterness reign. So it's mm-hmm. very interesting watching the contrast of what they'd been through coloring each of them and yet Toby holding on to it and Andrew losing some of it and gaining it back, I think, by the end of this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that too. And you're right. Uh, but but Andrew didn't get too, he didn't go too far down that rabbit hole. Right. And, right. and you know, it's really great. Like his, by saving MJ, it was his redemption for not being able to save Gwen Stacy, you know, Precisely. Emma Stone in the, in the, that second, those two movies. Um, but I, I just was when, when they were all just kind of hanging out, kind of shooting the shit a little bit there, you know, the conversation and, 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 and uh, Andrew and Tom Holland are looking at, at, at Toby saying, wait, you could just shoot, shoot that out of your hands. Like the webbing right. was organic for toby where it was mechanical for andrew and tom and they're like wait you could just do that like like does it come out of other things (laughs) (laughs) that's right that was great that was great now i just thought you know for for people you know the first spider-man film when it opened on may 3rd 2002 it opened with 114.8 million dollars which at that time was it broke the record for a three-day domestic opening Right. And then, of course, you know, you have all the Avengers movies and other oh, yeah. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, all those movies just clobbered those that record. But that first Spider-Man film was really a game changer for superhero movies, because, you know, for people like you and me, Ed, 
you know, when we were growing up and we saw Superman in 1977, those first two Superman movies were great. But then you had Superman three and Superman four, and that was the end of it. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, you know, in 1989, you had the Batman film directed by Tim Burton. And then those Batman films came and went with uh, Batman and Robin, you know, with George Clooney, but it was really the first X-Men in 2000 that launched the superhero genre that has now sustained itself and evolved over these last 21 years because you had the X-Men films, then you had the Spider-Man movies, then you had like the, the Dark Knight films, yeah. then you had the MCU. And it's just amazing that a film like No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, after all of these superhero movies, all these movies in the MCU, you know, all these attempts by DC to kind of catch up with Marvel, uh, and then you have this film that is not only great, but again, it, it's like emotional. Like I, I, even the second time I saw the movie, I got very emotional filled with, you know, like I was like tears coming down my face. Right. Like I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I missed Toby Spider-Man. Uh, I felt nostalgic for, for, for where I was in my life when those three Toby movies came out between 2002 and 2007. Right. And, you know, again, I thought Toby looked great, but he looked, he definitely looked a little older. I mean, and he is, I mean, it's so many years since uh, yeah. 14 yeah, 19, years, I guess since, right. 19. So yeah. So, you so, know, so. but, but he also was, was wiser. Like when Andrew says, uh, Hey, you got a girl, uh, you know, uh, and they're talking about girlfriends and Andrew says, no, I don't have anyone just busy with Peter Parker stuff. And Toby looks at him and says, you know, it's, it's complicated, but you know, we're making it work. Yeah. Which you is know? very cool. Very cool. And he, and he just says it like in a way, like, you know, like he learned a lot, you know, like he just, he had this wisdom that comes with living your life. And Toby's performance was so good. And I think the fact, like I said, that, that he doesn't make a lot of movies and that he hasn't done an on-camera appearance in quite some time because he's yeah. doing a lot more producing these days. I just realized, man, I really miss Toby McGuire. I really miss yeah. Toby's Peter Parker. And this movie, the, the beauty about this movie, and I do want to talk a bit about what happens with Tom by the end of this, but what's the beauty of this really does set it up in such a way that if Sony decided to embrace the multiverse idea and do another Toby movie or more likely an Andrew movie, that would be okay. I mean, to try to continue, there's no reason there can't be another Spider-Man out there. They've proven well, it. I, I think that in terms of Toby and Andrew, this movie was, was great closure for Absolutely. those two guys. Mm -hmm. uh, and at one point, you know, if you noticed uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro, says, oh man, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out yeah, there somewhere. You know, Miles is coming at some point. I right? I thought for I thought wouldn't that be great if we were if if we had another portal open and Miles Morales' uh, Spider-Man came through that door. But so I, I gotta be completely honest too, Ed, is that yes, the last hour of this movie was just absolutely fantastic. 
but the first 90 minutes were a little sluggish. I didn't feel it. That's so funny. I really didn't feel it. For the first 90 minutes of the film, I mean, I've, I, I liked it a lot, mm-hmm. but I just felt that the introduction of the Green Goblin and, and, uh, and Doc Ock and Lizard and, and, uh, and Electro, um, bringing all these characters into, the, into Tom Holland's universe, I felt like it was just lacking in imagination. Hmm, interesting. Compared, compared to the animated Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which was wildly imaginative. It was. Very yes. cl- it was very clever. And there was an energy to it. There was a confidence to it. It was fun. I mean, com- the first 90 minutes of No Way Home is, is not as good as Into the Spider-Verse. I, th- I thought Into the Spider-Verse was a better movie. But the emotional, the emotional payoff of No Way Home, that last hour makes the film. And it reminded me of when I saw Rogue One, the first Star Wars you know, spinoff movie. Right. The first hour of Rogue One was not that great. It was just okay. And it was the second hour of Rogue One that was so absolutely fantastic. It made me forget or at least forgive the shortcomings of its first half because the second half was so strong. And when Rogue One ended with Princess Leia turning around and saying hope, uh, it made me want to run home and watch episode four again. Mm -hmm. And it, it just made me forget about the first hour of the film. Now watching no, what Spider-Man no way home for a second time, I was re reminded and steeped in my conviction that, yeah, the first 90 minutes is a little slow and it just doesn't feel as wildly imaginative as Into the Spider-Verse. But that last hour, the mm-hmm. three of them together, working together, like in a positive way to cure the, the, the baddies, not defeat them or, you know, put them in, you know, and sending jail. them off on new destinies, basically. Yeah, for them. basically. You know what I mean? A, a redemptive destiny as opposed to what they did, you know, where but, they were. But again, like the way that they were, they were trying to cure, like what, what a great twist. What yeah. a positive Spider-Man style twist that we're not going to just defeat these villains. We're going to help them by curing them and hearing the words cure during a pandemic was like, it was so like what we, what we needed, but, uh, but, you know, just the, 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 there was that great moment when they all put on their Spidey suits mm-hmm. and they, and they all, they're all swinging at the same time they land and, then, and they all land at the yep. same time. Well, like, like they're just like a couple seconds off, like, like Tom Holland lands and then Andrew Garfield lands and then Toby McGuire lands like the three of them. I want to get a screen grab of that shot of all three Spideys in the Spidey position. Yep. You know that. Uh, oh, my God. That's going to be my screensaver on my laptop if that ever comes out. <laughs> that, uh, that's that's actually an awesome idea because I would do the same thing. That is an amazing <laughs> moment. Uh, and, they, and I love how they save Tom for last. So he lands at center up front yep, and yeah, center. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, you're right. So good. It's so Toby. Good. 
and then Andrew, and then Tom Holland right in the middle. Yep. I, was- I, and I gotta say that 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 the 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 way the movie, like in order to save the multiverse and his universe, the sacrifice that Tom Holland makes was such a great way to hit the reset button. Especially after he's been through the Avengers. He's fought Thanos. He's he's had the relationship with Tony Stark. He's had the tech of Tony Stark. And it's all stripped away. And the fact that he doesn't burden or take the chance of harming Ned and, and MJ and just decides not to tell them who he is. And he goes to his apartment with his handmade costume. And it's like, it is. It is like Spider-Man at his roots after, instead of building to all of this incredible intergalactic and incredible villains and, and everything else. Now it's just back to basics, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. See, now that's what I like about it, Ed. That's what I like about the Toby movies, especially it's just Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I always liked about Spider-Man growing up was that he was a loner and, you know, back in the earliest days of the comics, when, when Spider-Man in the first issue of the amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man tried to join the Fantastic Four. Yes. But he he changed his mind because it, they, it wasn't a paid gig. <laughs> right. You know, and he had to make money to take care of us to uh, take care of Aunt May. Um, but but uh, listen, after Amazing Spider-Man 2 was such a disappointment, Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige saved Spider-Man by bringing Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. When he made his first appearance during that airport fight scene in Captain America Civil War, everybody went crazy. Yep. And I loved Homecoming, and I loved how, again, how Peter Parker was a protege to Tony Stark. And I liked Far From Home. I didn't love Far From Home. Um, it was my, It's the weakest of the three Spidey MCU movies, but I still liked it a lot. Mm. But I got to say that all the stuff with Spider-Man and the Avengers and, you know, basically kind of being groomed to take over from Tony Stark. I, I missed the good old days when Spider-Man was just Spider-Man. You got and he him. Didn't have, <laughs> and he didn't have a Tony Stark designed spider suit. And and it was he was really struggling with grounded problems like paying his rent, taking care of his aunt trying to find a girlfriend. Um, and I felt like, you know, that's what made the Toby movies, especially the first two, so great. And I felt like what a great, first of all, what a great way to, to finally make MCU Spider-Man like he was in the comics. Mm-hmm. What a great way to make MCU Spider-Man, uh, like give him a whole new fresh start a whole new destiny. We have no idea where this is going to go. I will say this, as you know, there's there. Well, there's a line in the film, as you saw when Ned Leeds says to Toby, he says, so did you have a, did you have a best friend? And Toby is like, yeah, he tried to kill me. He died in my arms. (laughs) And Ned is like, Terrible, it was tragic, <laughs> whatever he said. Right? Yeah, yeah. Ned is horrified, right? So, so then Ned is basically told that that his best friend tried 
to kill Spider-Man. Now, if you know the comics, then Ed, you know that Ned Leeds in the comic books becomes the Hobgoblin, right? Becomes the Hobgoblin. Right. Now, I don't know if that was just a tease, if that was an in-joke, uh, an, an in-joke reference for you know webheads, right? But uh, maybe not. You know, uh, it would be interesting to see if if that Ned, now that he doesn't remember who Spider-Man is, mm-hmm. will go down that road. By the way, so if Doctor Strange erased Spider-Man's identity from memory, now nobody knows who Spider-Man is. They just know Spider-Man. They don't know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Does that mean that Spider-Man is still an Avenger? I think so. I think that nothing as far as Spider... Look, uh, MJ's still wearing the charm he gave her, right? The uh, necklace. Yeah. Uh, so his impact on the world as Spider-Man is still there. I mean, even with J. Jonah Jameson talking about him at the end, this menace is out there, Spider-Man, you know, whatever. But I don't think it means that people have forgotten Spider-Man. So in other words... Yeah, he fought Thanos. Yeah, he was at the airport fighting Captain America and grabbing the shield from Captain America. All that, I think, is still legit because he has not erased Spider-Man. It's just that any connection that would suggest Peter Parker is gone. Wow. Peter Parker right. himself has been wiped from existence. Right, right, right. Um, and which is amazing to think of because it's like, it's like what? Um, it's a wonderful life, right? Except... You know, he's been wiped from existence. There is no Peter Parker. There never has been. And that's that's the thing. No birth certificate, nothing you would think from uh, as a result of this. So uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting place. And I do love when Dr. Strange is is getting ready to cast that spell finally at the end. Yeah. When he says the people that know and love you, we won't we won't remember you. And I thought that was very interesting for Doctor Strange to use the yeah, word. Yeah. Uh, so so it, it, so it wasn't just that that Spider-Man's true identity was erased from memory. It was that Peter Parker's very existence was erased from memory. Not physically, Peter- but any any proof of a Peter Parker, that Peter Parker is gone because it's as if he never existed. That's at least what Doctor Strange says. It's as if he never existed. Well, when he goes to the coffee shop or the donut store, you know, MJ and Ned don't recognize him. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. The Peter Parker yeah. Is, yeah. is, but and but I don't think, in other words, so Peter never went to the high school, which is why he's got the GED thing uh, um, or whatever it is. The GED, book. That, yep. Right, right. To get his high school diploma, basically, uh, because he, he's got no high school education. So he's got to do that now because he was never in high school. So I mean, he's listen, done. Uh, I... I, you know, when Homecoming, Homecoming came out, the first movie that John Watts directed uh, for, for Spider-Man in the MCU in, in 2017, I thought it was a fresh burst of adrenaline. It was a, it was a new direction. It was a new Spidey, something yeah. that we needed, okay, after, after the uh, amazing Spider-Man films kind of fell short. Right. But at the same time, I kind of got a little tired of, of all the complexities going on within the MCU and the Avengers and all that. And I loved Avengers uh, Infinity War and Endgame. And I loved Captain America, uh, the Civil War and definitely Winter Soldier. Um, But 
I do feel like, you know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker was a bit of a, a bit, you know, uh, got a little annoying. <laughs> See, I didn't feel that. I thought in Homecoming and uh, I mean, he was, he was like the kid in the group on the Avengers. So he's going to be the annoying teenager who's around these veteran guys, you know, so I can understand in the, in the Avengers movies him being annoying to them and being different and pop, quoting pop culture and all that stuff. But in Homecoming, I, I found him fascinating in Homecoming and uh, Far From Home. I, I loved him in that. I thought that was just great stuff. They bypassed the origin thing, even though they suggested it, uh, which I thought was brilliant. Not telling us that he got bit by a spider again. Yeah. Uh, right. You know what I mean? So they bypassed all of that. And, you know, your, your point about like Hart Peter being amongst all the interconnectivity and all that. Of these movies i have to tell you the one scene that makes me tear up and i it's more because of downey i think than than tom is an end game when he's reunited with iron man and and downey hugs him and just looks up like thank god he's back yeah i tear up every single time at that that the connection between those two characters and granted downey sells it because he's so good yeah. uh uh and so i did i never minded i liked when peter was a part of it that being said, I do like the fact that, as we said earlier, he's stripped out to basics now. So we yeah. had those great adventures and all this interconnectivity and all that stuff. Now it's just Peter Parker. And, and yeah, he'll be part of the MCU in some form or another, but it won't be the same. Right. Yeah, it well, definitely won't be the same. And, you know, you mentioned the re, uh, when when Tony Stark and Peter Parker are reunited in Endgame. Yeah. And I think back to to the, the blip when the blip was happening in uh avengers infinity war and tony is holding peter in his arms at the end of that movie and and i forget what tom is saying to him Uh, i don't want to go sir i don't want to go yeah he's and and you see him disintegrate yeah like that was a big emotional moment too because absolutely those two actors were you know the chemistry that they established in homecoming really paid off like i mean you really believe that these guys uh were you know that that tom holland looked up to tony stark and and uh tony stark was a mentor to tom's peter parker which is the beauty again i know it's it's very sprawling but i happen to enjoy the sprawl uh that's what (laughs) i love about the interconnectivity though and i love the fact that they could build it like here's this kid he brought aboard to help fight cap and those guys in civil war who suddenly is helping fight Thanos, who's, who is, Tony is mentoring. I mean, uh, you know, there's that great moment in Homecoming where Peter says, you know, you don't care. If goes, didn't care, and he opens his suit and steps out of it, I wouldn't be here. Right, and that's right. like, it's so good between the two of them. Um, I don't you know. know I love, I love it all. <laughs> I, I gotta say, so, so the MCU now has been going strong for more than 13 years. Yeah. It started in 2008 with uh with the first iron man in may of 2008 so so i think two things first because they're comic book based movies and second because we're still in it what we are not what we are what we have seen with what kevin feige has done with marvel studios is really unprecedented in the history of movies yeah i mean sure we've had franchises like james bond and certainly star wars and and star trek and harry potter and aliens and scream and freddy jason all that stuff but 
what Kevin Feige has done with, with having all these individual films leading into the first Avengers, closing out phase one, and then going into phase two and introducing like Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, right. and then going into uh, Avengers Infinity, uh, um, uh, Ultron, Age of Ultron, uh, Age of Ultron. Right. and then going into phase three with Captain Marvel and Black Panther. Uh, and Black Panther. I mean, Ed, the the this this Marvel Cinematic Universe, what Marvel Studios has done is really unprecedented in the history of movies. So much that DC has been trying to do the same thing and they did they they can't. Nope. And even Star Wars has been trying to do the same thing. And as we saw with like the Han Solo movie, you know, they can't do it either. Right. Um, yeah. And yet Marvel still is just hitting one home run after another. Uh, yeah. Eternals wasn't great, but it's still but not Chuck, a bad movie though, but it's not a bad movie. movie Thank that's you. the thing. I loved but, it myself, but yeah, go ahead. But Shang-Chi was fantastic. Absolutely. Shang-Chi like here. Now we're in phase four. You're introducing another character and it was like so fresh and Simu Liu was fantastic and Aquafina, they had great chemistry and, and it was uh, a perfect blend of, of action of heart and humor. And it was fun and, and, and that they're still able to make it fresh. And, yeah. and at the end of 2021, after, you know, a, a really bad couple of years that we you know, does not seem to want to end it doesn't. You know, with, <laughs> with the, the pandemic and everything. Yeah. Like, like we needed this, we needed Spider-Man to save the day. And even with all the anticipation of a third Spider-Man movie in the MCU, even with the, the uh, you know, the worst kept secret about who was going to be in this yeah. film. Um, I, I just felt like it exceeded all of those, expectations all of those hopes it was just one great moment after another and again uh i i think that overall no way home is a little sluggish in the first 90 minutes you know and it just didn't feel like as wildly imaginative as into the spider-verse but the last hour of the film just it made the movie for sure and uh it was just such a, I mean, I still, like, I can't wait to see No Way Home again. I, and I will for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, over these next couple of weeks while uh, things are a little slow. But I have to disagree with you still about the first 90 minutes, but that's okay. We can disagree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought like Doc Rock's arrival on the bridge was amazing. And maybe I'm an easy target. I don't know. But I just thought I, I enjoyed it all. So, uh, but, but when was the last time you saw the second film, Spider-Man 2? Uh, last week <laughs> I oh, watched oh, them okay. all again I watched right, them all right. before this one came out so I, I did because because I watched Spider-Man 2 like I would say six months ago and then uh the other day uh, I watched the first movie and then I watched the second one last night I'm going to watch the third one tonight mm. and I'm watching Spider-Man 2 and the scene on the uh the train oh it's amazing I mean it's just is incredible. amazing and it like I'm thinking, wow, this came out in 2004. It yeah. opened on June 30th, 2004, and it made almost a almost 800 million dollars worldwide. Of the three Toby movies, it was the lowest grossing, 
worldwide, but it still did really, really well. Yeah. Um, but Spider-Man 2 could have been made today. It's that good. It holds up great. Yeah. The first Spider-Man movie is a little cheesy, but I still like it a lot. Uh, it's the second film. It's just so, so great. Uh, I, I and Melina did a great job stepping out of that into this. Yeah, they yeah. de-aged him or whatever they did to him, but that's not the point. He stepped out of that and he captured Otto Octavius perfectly all these yeah. years later. Yeah, he was you know, great. Uh, yeah, Alfred Molina was fantastic. He was fantastic. And then, you know, as the uh, as the de-aging effect continues to evolve, it's getting better and better. Like, I, re- I, I you know. Uh, Michael Douglas. Oh, right. my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah. um, you know, look at uh, Robert De Niro and uh, The Irishman. You know, yeah. uh, um, I think that the effect is better now that it was in in Irishman and that movie is two years old. So, yeah. you know, that's just going to keep getting better. But I mean, no way home is it's, it's a, it's a, a it's a payoff to the MCU Spidey. It's a payoff to Spider-Man as a whole. It's a payoff to the MCU up to this point. Right. It just works on so many levels. It really does. Absolutely. It, yeah. It's one of those movies where I remember in 78 when Superman the movie came out, it ended. And the first thing I was with 10 people, we stood up, we looked at each other, we sat back down and rewatched the movie immediately. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then when Infinity War and Endgame came out, and I shouldn't say this, but when Endgame accidentally got on my computer after it came out, uh, I know, shocking. I probably watched that thing every day for three weeks. I just would put it on again and again and again. I was never bored. And now whenever it's like, oh, I got an hour to kill. I'm putting on, you know, portals. Uh, that scene where everybody comes through the portals, which is one of the great movie moments ever, I think, or sequences ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you get these. And this is the same thing. No Way Home accidentally ended up on my computer. And uh, <laughs> I've seen it three times already since the movie came out. I paid for my ticket. I went to the movies. And then when it ended up there i ended up watching it three times already which just it's just so damn watchable oh yeah it is it really is and i gotta say again you know into the spider-verse the animated movie that won the academy award for best animated feature uh uh it's is a is really really a fantastic film i just love that movie to pieces i watched that last week too yeah (laughs) i watched everything on spider-man and yeah you know but but i but i you know i i know that they you know, Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal have already said that they're going to move forward with a, you know, Spider-Man four, uh, you know, for MCU Spider-Man four. But I love that they took Spider-Man back to basics. They hit the reset button. They made him there. They, they finally made MCU Spider-Man closer to what Spidey is in the comics. Now, is he going to, is he going to go down that road where he's going to get a job taking pictures for J Jonah Jameson at the daily bugle? Uh, is he going to, uh, you know, go, go to Empire State University, meet, meet someone named Mary Jane, mm-hmm. you know, or meet a Gwen Stacy or try to knows. reestablish the relationship with this MJ. You don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who knows? Who right. knows? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's interesting, you know, going back to something you said earlier and it, and it does go back to the roots of, of Spidey is that John Watts is directing Fantastic Four. Right. With him directing right. Fantastic Four and Marvel being owed a movie for spider-man to be back in the mcu i believe that's the way it's fallen at this point until they renew oh, I it see. i see yeah what a perfect way to boost fantastic four which does not have a good history by bringing oh. spider-man into it 
not none of those Fantastic Four movies. I mean, you know, I will say this about the uh, the, the 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 two Fantastic Four films that Tim Story directed yeah. is that they were never intended to be heavier, deeper, more grown up movies like all the other comic book movies that were coming out in the mid the mid O's, right, like right. the Spider Man films and the X Men films. They were clearly driven to rein in families. And if you watch, especially the first movie as a family film, you know, it works. But I mean, Fantastic Four is the first true Marvel comic when it came out in 61. Um, So I think uh, finally, just like Marvel saved Spider-Man, I think now it's Marvel's turn uh, to save Fantastic Four. Absolutely. Before I let you have your life back, you know, you carry, you carry I was going to say carried on, but that's not the nice way to put it. At the beginning, you were enthusiastic about how important Spider-Man is to you. Oh, yeah. I, you know, as you know, I'm a major Superman guy. However, and in the 60s when I was growing up, yes, I'm old. Uh, I collected <laughs> all the different titles of Superman, right? And that's all I cared about. I could care less about Marvel except for Spider-Man. Okay. Spider-Man was the only exception where I bought every issue I could get my hands on. I love that character. Which yeah. is why when Superman met Spider-Man, it was like, you know, pig heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? That was a great cover. John yep. Ramita drew that cover. Yeah, yep. um, really great. You know, like 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 when I was, uh, you know, in like 1981, you know, when I really started collecting Spider-Man, I was collecting Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. That's what I was doing Mar- as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel, Marvel team up featuring mm-hmm. Spider-Man, Marvel Tales. And then uh, I think it was like 83 or 84. You had Web of Spider-Man. Um so from, from that point to, I would say, the mid-90s, I was getting every Spider-Man title. Mm-hmm. And I think when it got into the whole Ben, uh, ben Riley stuff yeah. with the clone, um, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody likes to, you know, I, I, that's when I started to kind of phase out of, of the comic book uh, collecting days. But, you know, I still have them all, they're still, they're still all in the same shape that I got them in. Um, you know, I've, I'm, uh, as you can imagine, you know, I'm, I'm always been very careful with whether it's my Spider-Man comic books or my Star Trek photo novels. I've your Beatles been, albums, I assume my Beatles stuff, all of that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Beatles, <laughs> you know. But but Ed, I I uh, uh, was reminded of so many things watching No Way Home, particularly just this almost lifelong love of Spider-Man. And but why? That's my question. Why? What is it about Spider-Man that connects with you? And obviously connects with so many people. It is the biggest superhero out there. Because what? Spider-Man is the one superhero that almost anyone and almost everyone can relate to. He's not a scientist like the Fantastic Four. He's not a mutant. He's not a god of thunder. He's not from another planet. He's a kid from Queens who, even though he has these powers, still has to deal with world problems like paying his bills, caring for for sick family members, trying to find the right girl or the right right companion or partner. Um, Anyone can be Spider-Man. Everyone can relate to Spider-Man or Peter Parker for those reasons. And even though for all these years, 
after Peter got bitten by that radioactive spider, they just made his problems worse. Being a superhero did not make his life easier at all. Right. And I think that's just one of the great appeals of Marvel in general is that they, 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 they dealt with real dynamics like Fantastic Four. They, they bickered like family. Yeah. But Spider-Man is the one that, that almost anyone, especially everyone growing up, everyone going through middle school and high school and trying to fit in and being a loner and an outsider and, and dealing with the pressures of bullies and stuff like that. These are all things that Peter Parker has had to deal with over the last 60 years in one form or another, in one universe or another. And he's just trying to make it through the day. And that is something that everyone can relate to. And that is why everyone can relate to Spider-Man. It's still hard to shake the excitement of Spider-Man No Way Home, but we don't have a problem with that. Please subscribe to this podcast, give us a five-star review, and tell your friends about us. And if you're into classic TV, check out the TV Retrovision podcast. And for you vampire fans, there's Vampires and Slayers. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.